Oh, come on, let's praise the Lord this morning. Woo! Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, while you're standing, let's change a little bit this morning. Let's open our Bibles. And we welcome our guests this morning. Derek and his wife, I believe uh, Nikki, is that his wife's name? Glad to meet you and have you here with us this morning. And each and every one of you, amen. Everybody happy in the Lord, do what? The Goodman girls, well, they're not visitors. They've been, I've known them since they've been babies. But the Goodman girls are here this morning. I get to preach to them one more time. So I switched my sermon when I seen them here. Heaven is sweet and hell is hot. <laughs> Repent or perish. Praise God. Revert back to Pentecostal or revert back to the evangelist. I pray that the Holy Spirit will come this morning and preach for us. But if he doesn't, we'll teach out of the Word of God. Amen. There is a difference and we'll look at it. We welcome the congregation in Canada this morning. They look like they got a nice congregation. Let's make them welcome. Let's make them welcome. Amen. All right, they're just a few seconds behind us, but that'll be all right. Let's open our Bibles this morning. I'm going to read from the Bible. I've got a few texts and scriptures in your notes, but let's read uh, Mark chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 15. Our subject this morning is basically the second stage of our series on the Word Made Flesh. And we're looking at the third exodus, which we are in now, is our kingdom journey. We are in our kingdom journey. How many believes that? We're headed toward the reality of a promise. And that promise is that we will be joint heirs with Christ when he comes into his kingdom. We want to look this morning. I hear all the Pentecostal preachers, even the message preaching, that we must get back to the book of Acts. Back to the book of Acts. Back to Pentecost. We are not going back to Pentecost. We have already come through our Pentecost. We are in the Feast of Tabernacles. We are already resting and a part of the kingdom of God. I can say this, and I hope we can understand, we are not resting in a faith, and that is a substance of things hoped for, and the evidence not seen. We have already seen the evidence of our promise, which is God himself in the form of a pillar of fire, manifested in flesh that we call a prophet, telling us who we are, that we are justified, and he properly placed us in the vision of the kingdom. We are fixed. We are set. And now we're looking at the other parts being moved by God into the vision, so then we, our part, can be moved to the marriage supper of the Lamb, that he can move to Israel and finish that part for them. So we are looking at it as a fact. People say, well, we got a faith that he's coming. I have a fact that he's here. Amen. So fact, Brother Bram called it substance faith. Or in other words, he called it science proven faith. He said the cloud, that's science. The pillar of fire had his picture taken. That's science. Therefore, it is no longer faith, in other words, substance of things not seen, but now we have seen it by science, and therefore it is a fact. Amen. And he is following me this morning. So we want to look at our third exodus, 
from the baptism of the Holy Ghost to the Holy Ghost or the kingdom itself. And it's called now our kingdom journey. Okay, so we're already the Word made flesh. And now we're in our journey to immortality. So the mystery of the kingdom is the mystery of immortality and our promise of inheritance of a land and reigning with him for a thousand years. Okay, that's a big mouthful in it. But the great mystery is the kingdom of God. So we're looking at the third exodus is our kingdom journey. I want to start in Mark chapter 1 because we want to look first at the first exodus that Jesus himself led forth. And we're going to look at the gospel message according to Jesus, what he preached. You say, well, we're beyond that Jesus. We're the Jesus over here today. Uh, we're not in the gospels no more. We're over here outside of the Bible. We're in called the message of the hour. If you're going to take the message and say we need to get back to the book of Acts, what did the disciples preach to produce the book of Acts? They had to preach something to produce the book of Acts. For the first eight chapters in the book of Acts, the disciples preached something that caused multitudes and crowds and miracles and wonders to come that they're calling the book of Acts. So people is only looking at the power of it, but where did the power come from? Well, it come from the Holy Ghost. Then where did the Holy Ghost come from? It had to come out of the word being preached. No word preached, no Holy Spirit, no power. And it's following me now. So the mystery of the kingdom is the word made power. And this is the number one great mystery that Brother Bram said we must understand. And I put in your notes since the seals are open. We should and must understand the kingdom of God, which I will admit to you this morning. I do not have a clear understanding of it. I have not met any minister or read any book. That gives a clear definition and understanding called the kingdom of God. I hear a lot of theories about it, but no one knows anything about it. Because our kingdom reign is a thousand years called the millennial reign, of which no one knows too much about that either. They know it's a thousand years long. They know Jesus will be in Jerusalem and build a temple. After that, they don't know, have a clue what we'll do for a thousand years. So, with that in mind, let's look at this subject this morning. Our kingdom journey, basically our exodus is our kingdom journey. And the first exodus was according to Jesus. Let's look at the gospel. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I could, we, we could stand up all morning before we just reading this scripture. But according to Mark, Jesus was not God the Son. He was the Son of God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness, and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That's what the Baptist preached, and John is supposed to be their founder. But notice, John preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Remember, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. All right? 
Verse 5, And there went out unto him all the land of Judah, Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with a camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now who's going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost? Jesus Christ. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Judea, Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Brother Brown put, in whom I am well pleased to dwell in. Okay. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was uh, with the wild beasts, and all the angels ministered unto him. Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Watch what we're looking at now. Jesus come forth preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Let's pray this morning. Father, we pray that you will reveal to us the gospel of this hour. For you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that you have visited us in this hour. You have appeared among us in the form of a pillar of fire. You allowed your picture to be taken, and you have vindicated your presence by many infallible proofs. Therefore, give us the grace and the anointing this morning. Open our hearts to receive the word of God. Therefore, the power in the word can transform our lives and minds. We thank you for the revelation of the rapture, and we confess that it is done in our lives today. And we ask that your presence be real to every hearer this morning that your anointing and grace be with us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. The gospel according to Jesus. Now, we're not going to linger too long in that, but we'll keep touching back to it because it pertains to us today whether we understand it or not because the four gospels basically guard the book of Acts. So you've got to come through the four gospels to get to the book of Acts. All right. We look here in our scripture reading and it says that Jesus come preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, I want to give you the, what Brother Bram said the word preaching means. Everybody say, well, Brother Gray's a preacher. Well, we used to preach, now we teach. Because preaching is different than teaching. And he understands this now. All right. Brother Bram says he never ordained us to build any church. So we go in and start building churches. He never ordained us to make a hospital. Well, no one started that yet. To make a school. Almost every church now has their own school. Or have a seminary. Now we have the minister's meeting and try to teach everybody. Okay. 
So we're doing everything he told us not to do. <laughs> he never one time commissioned us to do that. All them things are good, but yet he did commission us to preach the gospel to all the world. And we built schools and seminars and taught theology. And one third of the world is, is all that's heard about Jesus yet. But after all, passing tracks is not preaching the gospel. The gospel came not in word only, Paul said, said Paul, but through power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. According to that, we've seen one man in this age preach the gospel. And that was a vindicated prophet. He said, see, not just teach the word, but preach. Make manifest the word. Now remember, we're also looking at the mystery of the kingdom of God, which is the word made power, especially in us. The word has to be made alive. See, the word has to be made alive. It's a dead letter until it's made manifest. So we're looking at a formula or a process of how the word comes from here. The dead letter of the word. You say, well, I take the word, I take the word. You must take the word through a process for it to become life. Okay? It's a dead letter until it's made manifest. And then it's quickened and it's brought to pass what God said about it. Now we can spend some time on that because we preach a prophet which was the word made flesh. Malachi 4 said, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. We waited 2,000 years for that word, which was a dead letter laying there in Malachi, that a lot of people said, I'm Elijah, I'm Elijah, I'm Elijah, until Elijah finally come on the scene. And then how do we know he was Elijah? Because he fulfilled exactly what the scripture said that he would do. And God said, I will be with him and I will vindicate my presence through this end time messenger because I will be the messenger. And the words that he speaks unto you will be my words, not his words. Jesus said, the words that I speak are not mine. The works that I do, I didn't do. But as my Father that dwelleth in me, he speaketh the words, and he doeth the work. Now, we cannot comprehend the preeminence and total control of the Holy Spirit in a person without seeing Jesus Christ as the example. According to Jesus, what you've seen him do and say was not his will being exercised and one thought given to it, period. Also, remember now this. That was the first fold of the mystery of God. The second fold is to take preeminence in a body of believers called his body. And today when the headship comes, that the Holy Spirit, which is the word made power in you. And that power absolutely takes over your will, your body, your senses, that it's the Holy Spirit doing and acting in your own body. We have not arrived to that state yet. We have a measure of it, 
Like Brother Branham said, we don't want to lie. We don't like to smoke. We don't chew. We try to dress right and do those things. But God wants to feel every fiber of your being. If God feels every fiber of your being, He takes every thought that you think, and He is the Word made flesh in you. And when God people sees you, they see God. That is our, that's our journey now to the kingdom. Now, what are you calling the kingdom, Brother Gary? I'll put it simply right now. Is the Word made flesh in us? Are the authority or the power of the word that we call revelation taking control of us? In other words, we're under the headship of the revealed word. We're under kingdom authority. Well, who's our king? The word. He is our head. He is the word. And the word incarnated in the person of Jesus will rule and reign a thousand years in Jerusalem as they teach. We're going to crown God, King of kings and Lord of lords, in the incarnated body of Jesus of Nazareth that's sitting on the throne of God right now. So when we crown Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, the man, you're absolutely crowning God, the spirit invisible incarnated in him, the word made power in flesh or visibility We'll crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we'll bow to the feet of Jesus and call him Brother, our King, our Lord. So we're looking at the Lordship of Jesus Christ as the means of salvation. Not this joining the church, not this going to the altar, not the, all this that they call religion. The Lordship of Jesus Christ revealed to you is the mystery of the kingdom made known to you. And you are submitted to it because you are part of it, being a seed of God. And when the Holy Spirit has made power in you, that means that soul is quickened that we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the new birth. You have no problem making Jesus Christ Lord. Not a law, a revelation of lordship by what he done for us and who he is. All right, now what? See, uh, he said now... The gospel came not in word only, Paul, but through power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. See, not just teach the word, but preach, make manifest the word. The word has to be made alive. It's a dead letter until it's made manifest. And then it's quickened and it's brought to pass. What God said about it, that's the gospel in action, the New Testament Christianity. All right, now we're getting back to the basics of Jesus' gospel. Brother Bram, now in the first and second poll, he's telling us what this is. Also in the message, and if, it, and if the Holy Spirit, what's this definition now? If the Holy Spirit, which is God's Word, if the Holy Spirit, which is God's Word, if the Logos, which is God's Word, are the power of God's Word. See, he corrected himself. The Holy Spirit is the power of God's Word. Comes in with God's Word. In other words, if you have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God comes in you and the Holy Spirit's there to put the power of the Word in you, it will manifest itself and come alive in you. By stripes you're healed, you will be healed. In other words, the promises of God, which is seed, comes into you, which is the, has a recipient of the Holy Ghost. That union takes place, and it's given power now by the confession out of your mouth 
That confession mixed in faith with the Word makes the Word live in and through us. All right. Let's, let's watch very carefully what it said. Comes in with God's Word, so what? it'll make God's Word display itself. Go ye into all the world and demonstrate the gospel to every creature. Demonstrate the gospel. Say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. All right, now, you go back to the commission. Mark 16 today, to the preachers means to tell you that God sent a prophet. Malachi 4 is here. God is here. And we got to believe Brother Branham or else. The commission was, go preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. The word made power. And those that believe the gospel of the kingdom shall be saved. And those that don't accept the promise of the kingdom will be condemned. Let me follow me now. These signs shall follow them that believe the gospel of the kingdom of God. What was the gospel of the kingdom of God? The word preached and demonstrated in power. When Peter basically laid hands or spoke to the crippled man and he rose up and walked in Acts, that was his gospel, or such as I have, I give unto you. And he had a revelation of the formula to get into the power of God, which was Acts 2.38, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the power of the kingdom of God or the Holy Spirit. No man, here's what he said, now watch. Uh, and if we would go deep in that, what, and that was the credentials that was to hang on to every man that went forth preaching the gospel. And no man has a right to preach the gospel without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many claims to have the Holy Ghost and you see ministers fall by the wayside? There's a lot of teaching in there that you correct and all those things, one more, so don't be so judgmental unless you fall yourself. So just pray for the ministry, as we said last week. We cannot preach the gospel without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In other words, you cannot make the word manifest. There, I've seen a lot of good, what we call preachers, they can teach a message, they can teach you and make this book come alive. You can see a picture, unbelievable, and had never prayed for anybody, cast out devils, or had any supernatural work. Preaching means that when you preach, signs and wonders of the demonstration of the Spirit follows after it. And you don't have to drum it up, call them to an altar, pat them on the head, beat them this way, spit in their face and everything else to get it done. The Holy Spirit is sovereign and He is in His Word. You receive His Word in your heart, confess that it's true, and the power, life in that seed Word will come alive in you and make you a part of it. Amen. See, he would not let Peter, James, and John, and then the rest of them preach until they waited in the city of Jerusalem, until the Holy Ghost had, been, had filled them, because it's the Holy Ghost that makes the Word of God go into action. Therefore, I declare unto you that if the Pentecostal age is over, and we have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts according to that age, and the Holy Ghost himself the revealed word is here. 
We ought to be able to take God's presence and God's word right out of his mouth face to face and act on what God told us by the voice of Revelation 10, 7. All right, now listen carefully. So now watch. Look at the message of Jesus. I'll give you some scripture. Luke 12, 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So the first priority, we'll preach a message on that. The first priority of God and the first priority of Jesus Christ was seek the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Most people go to the water to obey a commandment, be baptized in Jesus' name, to hear the preacher say it and hope that they got it. But that's not the end of it. You go to the water and then you contend in your prayer room. You contend with God. You wrestle with until the promise of the Holy Ghost comes into your life. Like one preacher said, I'm going to go in. T.L. Osborne said, I'm going to shut. He talked to Brother Branham. Brother Branham told him, go sit under the oak tree by Bosworth for a while. And then these finds about, he said, furthermore, uh, Brother Osborne, you didn't have a gift. If you had a gift, you'd have known it all along. But you are called to preach. So go sit under Brother Bosworth a while and learn. He knows all about healing. He'll teach it. And then you can preach it. T.L. Osborne said he went into his room, locked it, and said, I'm not coming out of here until I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost as the prophet taught it. And about five days later, he'd come out and he could preach the Word of God, stand here and simply teach the Scriptures so real that hundreds of thousands and thousands and thousands come and accepted the kingdom of God and was healed. Some of the greatest crusades of Christianity was T.L. Osborne, and he never laid hands on no one. He didn't call an altar. He only preached the simple gospel of the kingdom of God, so clear and simple that even the heathen could accept it. They come and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was healed. Didn't even have a gift of healing. No gift at all except the ability to preach the word of God in clarity. Watch. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we got a promise. Amen. Why do you go to church? Why do you confess to be a Christian? You're finding in the land today that it's more serious to be a Christian than any other time. They're beginning to kill thousands of Christians around the world, persecute Christians. They're coming against Christianity in America. Now we get this hate crimes going on. The hatred of the Jews has returned. Hatred, hatred. Where did hatred come from? Somebody tell me. Come right out of the Garden of Eden. Right out of the serpent, right into Cain, right on down through the line. Because the serpent, if you look at the original train, the serpent hated Eve. That's the reason he beguiled her. It is a hatred. It is an animosity that only comes out of that nature, that seed of the beast. It is there by a product of Satan. Amen. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. Watch, he was teaching. And he preached the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, he taught a parable. Then he manifested the kingdom by healing the sick, opening the blinding eyes, and casting out devils. He not only taught, but he preached. The bride today, or the church world today, outside of waiting for this translation, when Brother Branham was here, was not only teaching, but he preached. He would preach, and then he changed transitions. You know, I'm waiting on him to see if he'd come. He's here. Now then we'll call the prayer line because he's near now to heal. And healing and casting out devils is a different anointing than preaching the gospel or teaching. So we're looking at one common subject here. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Matthew 5, 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Teach what? The Beatitudes. Blessed are they, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. One more, one more. Matthew 5, 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness. Now here's where it gets a little sticky. This easy believism of the Baptists and Methodists won't get you there. Now it's almost easy believism in the message. As long as you got long hair, a long dress, and believe that Brother Brown was a prophet, you're going to be there. That is false as false can be. You can stand here and quote Brother Brown's quotes until you drop dead and go straight to hell with it. But if you stand here on the anointing with a revelation of the Word of God, seeing it made it come alive and come alive, you can quote the quote of God and get the same re- results that he got out of it. All right. It all depends on the Holy Spirit in you, anointing you to receive the Word of God. Matthew 6, 13. Watch. Here's the subject. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it is not difficult through the scriptures to see, and I've got in there how many times he preached on this in each chapter, in each book, whatever more. I think in Matthew 55 times Jesus mentioned the kingdom of God. So it's not hard to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ was he preached the message or the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, the question is, how many are preaching the gospel that Jesus preached? You won't hear any church, fundamental, Pentecost-wise or otherwise, that preaches primarily the kingdom message. Furthermore, they don't know nothing about it, and they can't make it work. So let's look at Paul. Paul called it his gospel. Now, I believe that Paul's gospel was a revelation of Jesus' gospel delivered to the Gentiles. So I don't think Jesus had a gospel, and Paul had a gospel, and Brother Branham had a, a gospel. It's one gospel, one revelation, of one promise, and that promise is what? Eternal life in a natural land for a thousand years. If Jesus promised you everlasting life, or the kingdom, the kingdom is everlasting life. So when I say we're all going to the kingdom, we should rejoice because that means I've got everlasting life. Praise be to God. What's the use of serving Christ or going to church if you don't understand what benefits or what reward or what you are striving or suffering persecution for righteousness sake? What are you going through all of this for if there's nothing down there that you know is coming for you? You save your money to buy your new this. You save your money to buy that. There's always a prize in front of you that keeps you doing and working what or more until you achieve the, 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 the victory. Church now for 2,000 years have been persecuted. They've been slaughtered. They've been killed. They've been put out. They've been everything that you can imagine. But the faith of Jesus Christ is still in the church because they have a faith and a hope of a kingdom with everlasting life sitting before them as a reward and a prize. Now then, we are looking at the prize of getting out of here alive, which is the kingdom of God. But the Bible tells me flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. Flesh and blood cannot get there. So if I'm alive and Jesus comes, so to speak, 
How am I going to get there? Because flesh and blood can't get there because it is a spiritual realm of power where God himself rules and reigns. Is it real? Absolutely. Is there a throne in heaven this morning with a glorified man sitting on that throne? Amen. Are there angels or serpents around the throne holding holy, 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 holy unto the Lord? Amen. Are there multitudes of angels and elders and who all is there? Are they there as that crowd of witnesses in heaven? In a temple in heaven. Glorious temple. Gold and all is it there? It is there now. It is real. But that reality will one day come right down here on earth. And our future home is heaven on earth. Everybody say, oh, I'm going to be a Christian, so when I die, I go to heaven. You're not going to heaven. You're going to another body in another dimension, but you're waiting to come right back here on earth because your promise is a kingdom here on earth a thousand years with the king. Salvation is all about living in a kingdom. Every saint that went to the ground, they went to the ground with the promise of Jesus Christ's gospel that he would raise them from the dead and place him as an heir with him in his kingdom. But he said, I will not eat or drink of the cup until I eat and drink it with you, hallelujah, in my kingdom. Then why are preachers getting on me? Brother Gregory preaches two lords. And Brother Gregory preaches two thrones. There is two thrones. Jesus sat down with the Father in the Father's throne. He's sitting there this morning. All right. Then there's a throne here on earth. He said, Brother Bram said, Jesus is not sitting on his throne right now. He's sitting on the Father's throne. One day he'll come down here and take his throne. And he will rule and reign in a temple in the city of Jerusalem. And we'll rule and reign with him. And begin to renovate the earth a measure at a time. Because basically the wrath of the Lamb kind of wipes it all up. And basically burns the Holocaust. So we'll begin to renovate it and populate it. And a thousand years we'll almost have the earth renovated before it starts over again. So if you're waiting to go to the millennium so you can eat uh, milk and honey and play a fiddle. You're wasting your time. We'll get to that in a few minutes. When the children of Israel come out in their exodus, they was going to a land of milk and honey. They thought it was going to be eat and drink. We're going to possess houses we didn't build. We're going to take the land, that, uh, vineyards that we didn't plant. We're going to just move in and take over. Praise God. That's going to be a hallelujah time. We're just going to take over. What did they meet? When they went across, the first thing they met was Jericho, a walled up city that they had to take by force. When Revelation 19 comes back and we come back with him to take up our promised land, it's not a land of milk and honey. We're going to meet a walled up cities of force. We're going to fight our way in and we're going to take it over. So I don't know whether I want to be a part of that or not. Well, you can wait a thousand. You can wait a thousand and come up after and be a judge according to your work and see if you enter into the future home. Watch. What did Paul tell us the kingdom of God is? In first, uh, well, he tells us in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not, he tells you first what it's not, it is not meat and, meat and drink, but righteousness and peace 
and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the power of the Word made flesh. You're still on our subject. You'll never get past the subject in this hour of the Word made flesh because that's what the message is. That's the climax of it. That's the finality of it. Immortality is the message of the hour. And it takes immortality for, for the rapture. So a revelation of the rapture will have to start with a seed. That seed will have to come forth and produce power in your life, which is the kingdom in you. And you are a part of a spiritual body, which is the Word made flesh. And you'll rule and reign in the land and take it over in another dimension. Watch. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.20, he tells us what the kingdom of God is. He said, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Not in word, but in power. Now, what is the power of the word? The Holy Spirit. The power of the word is the Holy Spirit. Let's read, let's read this. Let's see where this quote is from. Uh, the third exodus, where the quote is from. Watch now. We are in an exodus and leaving and turning the tapes off in a moment. My friends, my brothers, both present and they that will hear the tapes. And that's us. As your brother and citizen of the kingdom of God. Come out in this exodus. For all that's left behind will bear the mark of the beast. If you don't make the rapture, you will bear either the penalty, which is death, or the mark, which is obedience to the mark of the beast. Let's see where I am. Mark of the beast. Come out of Babylon, which is Revelation 17, which is all the church systems. Come out of this confusion. What did he call the confusion? The confusion over how many gods there was. Trinity and oneness. Come out of these systems. And serve the living God. This great angel of the covenant. Jesus Christ in the form of God. That's Revelation 10.1. That's the picture that you see that light over Brother Branham's head. That's the angel of the covenant. That is the Logos. That is Elohim himself. The self-existent one. I don't know how clear we make. It is God, the self-existent one himself that is here. Thought it not robbery, but became equal with God. How did Jesus become equal with God? Through the incarnation. When God dwelt in him, he was God manifested in a flesh body or a body that he had control over. This is think that the body of Christ is made up of a thousand people. All right, we're one body called the church. If God incarnates or lives in the body called the church, you would be a multi-membered Jesus. Every member would be subject to the Holy Spirit. Every member would be in harmony with the Word of God. Every member would know the will of God. Because every member would be controlled by the headship, which is the Holy Spirit that controls the body. All right, Brother Ram said the capstone is here. And he's now taking headship, our preeminence in a body, to take us to the kingdom. Okay. 
Come on, let's get a little more. The, don't, uh, the visitors did not bother you. You can say amen with visitors here. They won't go tell on you. This ought to cause us to be joyous. Threefold mystery of God, what? To take preeminence in Jesus a man. To take preeminence in his church. To take them back to the Garden of Eden, back to the kingdom of God, to the rule and ready to finish up the promise that he gave to Adam. And we are here. It's not something we're looking forward to. It is here. The reality is here. It should be our confession for God to turn his power or his message into power in us out of our mouth. See, it will not be turned into power. You will never get nothing from God until you confess it out of your mouth first. That's a simple message that he taught from the very beginning all the way through. If you want a rapture, you've got to confess it out of your mouth. If you want the power of the Holy Ghost, you've got to confess that word out of your mouth. Say the word, confess it. When your confession means you're adding faith or the Spirit of God with the letter of the word and it turns into power. Come out of Babylon. He said, notice this Christ in the form of God. Become equal. Now he's a pillar of fire. He is a light. In the same form that he was back there, bringing that first exodus, now bringing the second exodus. When the first exodus took place, Moses. And the commission was, as I, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Who was present with Moses? Was the pillar of fire there? Did they see it? Visibly see it. They seen the cloud by day, the light by night. God's perusia, God's presence was there. I will go with you. I will be for you. I will be in you. I will vindicate. I am here. The only exodus you'll ever find is when God himself is present through a man Calling you to an exodus or to another stage. God has to be present for an exodus. Then how can we say that I don't believe the presence, I don't believe the perusia of God. My Lord, and think that God sent a prophet. Who do you think had his picture taken with the prophet? I, 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 don't, I don't understand. what First exodus, what did he do? He brought them out of a natural land. So Moses come with two signs. He called a people out of Egypt with a promise, I'm going to take you to a promised land. His message was, I'm going to take you to a land of promise filled with milk and honey. Praise God, you'll possess houses and on and on and on. So what motivated the people to follow Moses? The reward at the end. They didn't follow Moses because he was handsome. They didn't follow him because of this and that. They followed him because he presented a promise that was enticing enough for believe it. How did they, why did they believe it? Because he manifested signs, miracles, and wonders in front of them to prove that what he said was the word of God made power. Then what about our leader? What about our Holy Ghost? Let's put it like this. What about our Melchizedek today? We're getting a little deeper now. What about our God in human flesh today? Oh, you're saying Brother Bram was God. He was God to us. He was an anointing who was Christ. He was the anointed man of the hour. Moses was God to the people. He was not God per se. He was a voice of God to the people. 
Come on now. So if Paul was God to the people, then this hour we had a messenger who was God to the people. Then the words that he spoke to us would be spirit and life in us. If we believe it and confess it out of our mouth, it will do exactly what it said it would do. Second Exodus. He brought them out from a spiritual condition into a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now watch it now. What about our Exodus? He is bringing them from He is bringing them from the spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost right back into the eternal land of the millennium. There's one definition of the kingdom. The eternal land of the millennium. And the great hereafter, that's future home when we get there. Notice, same pillar of fire. Are you following me? Say amen. amen. Same pillar of fire by the same anointed system. Now, we have a problem with the system. People today are questioning the system. I thought that devil had already gone, this, this believe the sign movement. I thought that was over, but seemingly it pops its head up over and over. When you go about and you think your intellectual mind could understand all the dates and the times and the steps and the positions and what goes on spiritually, you're going to get messed up. My question is this. Do we believe the revelation of the seven seals that the thunders produced? I can prove to you the prophet didn't make a mistake, but I'm not interested in what time he was on the mountain, whether it was 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 8 o'clock, this, that. I'm not interested in that. I can get that right down to 30 seconds by uh, the mountain, throw up a rock, and miss it just as far as I can miss it. I can say, oh, the prophet had on a coke, he picked a cooker, oh, yeah, that was it. No, 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 no. That's not it. That may be interesting to you, but watch the confusion that comes out of dates and times and periods and commas trying to prove the Word of God by scientific proof. You cannot do it. You cannot judge a prophet. You don't have the ability, the authority, or no position to judge God's anointed man of the hour. If you don't understand it, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. People say, well, what about this? What about, can you prove 16 men fell off the bridge? I'm not interested whether 16 men, five men, two kids, and a dog fell off the bridge or not. I'm interested in God is here to take me in a rapture. All these purity tests that you're in or out, it'll eat you up. It'll get to you sooner or later. Same pillar of fire, same anointed system. Same God doing the same things. The same word declared the first one, declared the second one. The same word declares the second one, has now declared the third one. And here we see it among us. In other words, the same pillar of fire, the same Logos of God. And the Logos is only the invisible God veiled in a glory. That you need to see some light, uh, cloud, some image or whatever more. Just like Jesus was the invisible God made flesh that you could see him. When you see me, you see the invisible God. Well, you still had not seen the invisible God. 
But you see all the nature and the works and the acts and the thoughts and actions of the invisible God. You see it made flesh. Praise be to God. He said when we see who Jesus was, then we can say when you see me, you see the Father. Now, none of us dare to say that yet, but he said we would. Amen. So he said, come out of this chaos, come to the living God, come to the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now he's in our flesh, dwelling among us. Come out and serve the living God, which is the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. All right. So the Exodus, our Exodus, by the same Logos or light, well, let's, let's call it a pillar of fire or light. That light come to Moses as a burning bush. It was called an appearing. It was called a perusia. It was called a presence. So the presence is not actually a New Testament doctrine. The perusia of Christ is an Old Testament foundational doctrine. And we could spend two weeks going through everything. When the angel of the Lord appeared, when the angel of the Lord appeared, Melchizedek appeared, God appeared, or his presence was in the garden. Everything speaks about this one system of God. The pillar of fire represents God's presence. If the pillar of fire had his picture taken, he would have to be present or here to have his picture taken. Why are you stressing this, Brother Greg? Because the revelation of the presence of God is essential for that same God to change your body and take you with him. When that pillar of fire leaves here, he's going to take you and I with him in a body that is not flesh and blood, but it's been changed into immortality, that the seed planted of the kingdom of God, planted in us by one, two, three pulls, coming to a harvest, will produce immortality, and he's going to take us out of here in an immortal body. And without God's presence, meaning there's a supernatural element in every revelation. We'll get to that just in a few minutes. Watch. So the Exodus is the kingdom journey. First Exodus was a journey led by Moses and a pillar of fire, which he calls that the anointed system. Leading a group of people out of, uh, out of a promised land into a kingdom called a promised land. In other words, he took them out of a natural land, a bondage, Egypt. They were prisoners and took them to a natural land as a promise or a kingdom. Watch. When they got there, what did they expect? Are you happy this morning? Yes. Am I all right? Ten more minutes? When they got there, what did they expect when they got there? All right. If we're going in the millennium, we say, oh, glory to God, we're going to rest. What do you expect when you get there? If I thought that I had to go over there and just play a fiddle for a thousand years, and as good as I can play a fiddle, I'd get even tired of myself playing the fiddle. Because my fiddle would go, Hey, many would love to be sitting beside me while I play a fiddle in a thousand years. Would all backslide and go to the other place. 
So what are we going to be doing? I'm going to have a glorified body, and with the one glorified body, I can conquer a kingdom, I can create anything. A atomic bomb can't blow me up. So what am I going to do with an immortal body? Well, let's see. I got a whole earth here that's been bombed all to chaos and oblivion. There's nothing but chaos and waste and whatever more left over. Bodies and bones and bloods and whatever more. So I'm going to come back to not to a land of milk and honey. We're not going to walk out, oh, in the land of the milk and honey. Glory to God, we've arrived. Well, are we going to eat anything? Are we going to live in a house or are we just going to float around? What's going to be there? A thousand years is a long time. What are we going to do for this thousand years? Then we've got future home where it's, boy, it's wonderful there. The pyramid city, hallelujah, hallelujah. But what about this mystery of the kingdom? We know about it. We know how long it's supposed to exist in the natural realm or time. But who can tell you what this mystery is? What are you going to be doing? Some say, well, we're going to be building houses, planting vineyards. What for? Why would you need a house or plant grapes and whatever more if you're immortal? See, a lot of this stuff don't make sense. But Brother Bram said one thing, no matter what you do, just don't miss it. Because it's so wonderful, so far sublime, that words cannot explain it. And the condition cannot explain it. So the first time they went from a land to a land. And what they expected was a land of milk and honey and houses and jubilee and parties and suppers. In other words, the socialistic welfare mentality is going to be for everybody. And praise God, all these guys are going to work for us and take care of us. We're going to be the one percenters now, praise God. We're going to take over and we got automatic food stamps. We got automatic apples on the tree. We're going to get a, a, our provision every month. We're going to get a check every two weeks. Since we can't have kids, we can't increase our income. So it's not going to be this socialistic church taking over, Pope ruling everything mentality. I'd like to find out what it would be like, don't you? And basically, Brother Bram said that mystery should be revealed in this hour. So I would think that the first thing that they should expect it was to be there would be the king of the kingdom. If you're promised a kingdom, you would have to have a king. So if I'm going to a promised land, if I'm going to the marriage supper first... That automatically tells me that I'm going to be married to someone. And he is going to not only be my king, but he's going to be my husband. Oh, this gets better all the time. You mean that we're going to be the, the queen or the wife of the king? Yep. You mean I'm going to sit on the throne with him? Yep. You mean I'm going to be royalty? Think so. You think I'm going to be the head and not the tail? I can imagine. Do I have to go out and build houses? I don't think so. I've got 144,000 that will build one for me. It's going to be a whole lot different than you think. When we get to our kingdom, 
I expect to come back with the king himself. And who do we crown king of kings and lord of lords? The very one that's here today in the form of a pillar of fire that leads us out of bondage of sin and corruption and brings us into an exodus out of these mortal bodies. I'm talking about a presence. If we would get in the presence of God's word, put his word in our mouth, that Holy Spirit anointing will be here as a person. So real that it would automatically heal your bodies, lift all this hatred out of our hearts, bring all the bridges and rebuild them, put love in our hearts for everybody, and give us power to walk over the ashes of the wicked. I would like another dose of that. Matter of fact, I would like a two-fold dose of that. I would like a triple-fold dose. I got a little dose when I was born again. I got a little dose when I went into the ministry. I got a little dose here and there. But I need a real refilling of the Holy Ghost for God to take over my whole complete being, nerves, body, senses, and everything else. That's our promise. I believe and confess, and people don't agree with me, but I believe that Elohim himself the self-existent one that would probably take you a year to dissect and to understand it. We probably never would understand that. But Elohim himself, God, Jesus the anointing, is here among us and with us, which is the word made power that you are calling the Holy Ghost. I put a little comment in here, and this is true. I hadn't got all my books unloaded yet, and I still got ten boxes that basically unloaded and got my shelves already full. I've read every book in print that I know of about the kingdom of God. I've read some of the greatest scholars that ever wrote on the subject. I've read every quote that Brother Branham mentioned the kingdom. I've studied and listened to every sermon in the message that someone mentioned the kingdom, which is very, very few, maybe one or two. And that subject was preaching two kingdoms, which means two masters, and that didn't tell me nothing about the kingdom. You read most scholars, and this is MacArthur today, and he's one of the leading scholars in the fundamental realm. He said, most scholars are convinced that the gospel of Jesus cannot truly be understood unless we grasp what he meant by the kingdom of God. Just think, we cannot grasp what he means until we know what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God. And as yet, I personally have not a clear definition of the kingdom, except the statements made by Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Even as we do not have a clear understanding of the millennial reign, of which I mentioned of a thousand years on earth, reigning in Jerusalem in the temple with 144,000 waiting upon him every need, and the bride and the Old Testament saints who are always going to be there, the question remains before us that all the mysteries of God would be made clear by the opening of the seals and the voice of Revelation 10:7. Brother Branham, beginning the third pull before he preached the, uh, the seals, he preached the sign, this, is this the sign of the end or sirs, is this the time? Watch what he said. The mysteries here is the mystery. A mystery is, in Scripture is a previously hidden truth now divinely revealed but which is a supernatural element still remains despite the revelation. A supernatural element remains despite the revelation. 
we have a revelation of water baptism. We can teach it fundamentally. We've seen the results of it, so we have a revelation of water baptism. But even in correctly teaching water baptism, there still remains a supernatural element. That supernatural is that God must come and quicken your soul, called the new birth, or it doesn't get quickened. The supernatural element is God Himself must come in response to your confession. And the only way that He promised to come was your confession. Most people do not confess to receiving the Holy Ghost, and we got to get to it because Jesus, first thing He preached in the kingdom, you must be born again. To get in the kingdom requires a birth. To see the kingdom, which means to see the power of God working in your life, requires a new birth. To preach the gospel requires the new birth. To be the anointed bride for the rapture requires the new birth. To be in the bride, so to speak, requires the new birth. To receive the book of Revelation and to understand the Godhead requires the new birth. Furthermore, to receive anything in this hour, according to Revelation, would require the new birth. You say, why does men fall? They preach and everything. Why do they fall? They are not born again. Because the prophet said, if you were born again, that third type post in there, that birth would hold you regardless of anything else. You must be born again. When we get into the new birth, what is required? It is required for the word to be preached to you that is truth today. And you mix it with the Holy Ghost, which is confession that that word is true in you. The word plus the, the confession brings the word alive in your life. And it manifests itself in your flesh. And you will know that you are born again. You say, well, Brother Bram said the evidence of receiving the word for this hour, and I believe the word for this hour. All right, then tell me the word of the hour that you believe. Well, I believe God sent a prophet. That's not it. Do you have a revelation of Jesus Christ being Lord? Because my Bible tells me that if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. You see, it means that easy? Oh, well, that's not as easy as it sounds like. Because when you confess that Jesus is Lord, that He is King, and you are a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, that means what He pre preached, you preached, what He said, you said, and what He said you are, you are. If He said that you are the righteousness of God through faith, that makes you the righteousness of God through faith. That's the reason we spent so long on Preaching the rights of what more? He said, now watch. The greater mysteries and the, the great mysteries are. Number one. The mystery of the kingdom of heaven is the number one mystery. That's the one he said we're talking on now in, in, in Matthew 13. Now, the second mystery is the mystery of Israel's blindness during this age. That will be the next step in our teaching series, The Word Made Flesh. Because that's what he's doing now before we get to the future home. All right. 
Romans 11:25 with the context. The third mystery is the mystery of the translation of the living saints at the end time of this age. That's the revelation of the rapture that we've been preaching on for the last two or three months. 1 Corinthians 15, also 2 Thessalonians 4 to 17. Watch. The fourth mystery of the New Testament church is as one body composed of both. That's the reason we preached on the body of Christ about 26 terms. He gives you the scripture. The fifth mystery is the church as the bride of Christ. That's what we've preached on for 30 years. The separation of the church into a bride. What's Ephesians 5, 28 to 32. The sixth mystery is, the, is of the living Christ. The same yesterday and forever. That's uh, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, same yesterday and forever. That brings you St. John 14, 12. And takes you back to the commission of Mark 16. These signs shall follow those that believe the sign of St. John 14, 12. Okay, and watch. And the seventh mystery is of God, even Christ, as the incarnate fullness of the Godhead embodied in all of divine wisdom. In other words, who Jesus is, who the Father is, and you can properly separate that to bring the revelation of one God in the person of Jesus Christ. This message absolutely teaches one God, and Jesus is that God. That gospel will not fly any more than three gods in one person. There is a revelation of the Godhead. Watch. Now, I'm going to read this quote, and then we're, we're, our time runs out this morning. He said, listen close, and I'll read this, and we'll stop and pick it up later. Listen close. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God is His Word made power. Now, let's, let's dwell on that, because this whole series is going to be pertaining to the seed of immortality. Here's the seed of immortality. The sower come forth to sow the seed. The seed was the word of God, and the uh, kingdom is the kingdom of God, and the world is so and so. Okay? If you want to put that down, 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is God's word made power. Now, he says what is the kingdom. Since he was human, he made a mistake. It should be where is the kingdom of God. I'm not correcting the prophet, but because he answers, is within you. So the question is, where is the kingdom of God? And he says, is within you, the kingdoms in you. Okay, what is the word? What is the kingdom? The word made power. In other words, the revelation of the word, which is Jesus Christ for your age, now heard, now believed, now confessed, and that revelation dwells in you. So the kingdom is the word made power or revealed that you have heard and received, confessed to make life in your own life and body, dwelling in us. So each one of us that has received the revelation of the perusia or the presence of God and the message of himself that he is here, went to the water and was rebaptized in his name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which this same Jesus whom you crucify has been made both Lord and Christ, fulfilling Psalms 110, 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thee on my right hand until I make all thy enemies thy footstool, is now a past tense fact. This is where we're at. We're looking into the face of immortality this very minute. We are moving and now are in the stage. You are already in the process of giving birth to an immortal body. When Brother Bantam said birth is to be in 1965, he was not talking about your new birth of the baptism. He was talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost brings you to a birth of an immortal body. 
You're going to be birthed into a kingdom, and flesh and blood cannot inherit this kingdom. Birth is to be. Praise be to God. And that seed planted is now in human flesh being manifested in flesh. All right, Karen, if y'all come, I'll finish reading this quote, and we'll, and we'll close. Watch. The kingdom is in you. Now, the kingdom's in you, and when the word comes in there, that's in the heart here, what does this word begin? The word comes in, and it begins a metamorphous process. It begins a process. It begins a, a movement of immortality. He said, your soul is now immortal and like a baby being formed in his mother's womb. As you feed on the word, it basically grows and grows until it absolutely immortalizes the very flesh body that you are now here. Watch, it turns itself into power. You say, well, where is the power? The power is in you laying dormant, but it's there. If you are born again, and we are seed of God, receive the engrafted word of this hour, the power of God that you're looking for lays in you. So quit trying to find it in someone else. Just understand that the power, God's word in you, will do exactly what the word says. You believe that? Watch. That's what the problem It turns itself into power, making it say just exactly what it said. <laughs> that sounds like a ton of words. Making it say just exactly what it said. In other words, you say exactly what the Bible said, mixed with faith with the Holy Spirit in you, and it will... Come out of your mouth just exactly as it said. And therefore it's God speaking and it will do exactly what it said. See, you can't say, well, it says this and it says this and make it work. That's exactly what the message people are doing. Well, Brother Bram said this and Brother Bram said that. And this person always said this. He said that. And we can't make all that confusion work. We got to get to the simple gospel and revelation of Paul, which is pertaining to the kingdom of God. The, ro the Word, the Holy Spirit, made power in you. You've got to say the same thing it says. All right, that makes a confession. My Lord, look at the formula of the kingdom now. The formula of the kingdom is what? Speak the Word out of your mouth, and it will perform itself exactly as you say. That's the reason we went through Mark 16. Let there be a squirrel. If he said let there be a squirrel, he wasn't looking for a rabbit to appear. He was looking for a squirrel. So he got exactly what he said. Well, what am I getting? Exactly what you're saying. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to get too much. How much you get? Not too much. Well, I think I'm going to be broke all my life. Guess what? You'll probably be broke all your life until your rich uncle dies and give you a million. And guess what? 60 days, you'll be broke all your life. 
Because if you can't say what you make, how come you think you can say what somebody else has made? All right, get off of that, Earl. Let's preach it. Watch. That makes a confession. Not saying now, well, it's, I'll polish it up a little bit here. See, I'll have more wisdom. In other words, I'm going to polish this up and make it sound good to the people that they can rejoice. But you know what? When you start preaching over and over and over, it's evident this morning. I'm going to get to it. And I'm through. When you preach this message for 40 years like we do over and over and over and over and over, guess why people quit going to church? Guess why all the millennials are leaving church? Guess why teenagers and young people won't join the church? It's because they get bored and dormant by hearing the same thing over and over. It loses its power. It loses its enthusiasm. It loses its joy. It loses its victory. It loses its reward. Church means another ritual, another story, or more with a more behind it, two more offerings, and whatever more program to feed somebody that we've never seen. No wonder the church is powerless. Well, what about the message people? We're worse than all of them are. We are, because we should know better. We, we got a living reality. We don't have to guess what God is about. He stood here in flesh and revealed to us what He's all about. What you said, now what? Well, it's, I'll polish it up here and I'll have more wisdom. I'll be in better standing over here. In other words, yeah. You stay with the Word. There it is, see? And it makes it power. All right? What makes the written Word power? Confessing it out of your mouth. The Word mixed with your faith makes it living power. You've got to get with the word, get yourself killed out. In other words, get your opinion of what you think the prophet said. Get your opinion out of the way of how you think it's going to be. Get your opinion out of the way of how this is and that is more and more. Shut up and listen to the word and put the word in your mouth and believe that the word will be made power out of our lips. True worship will come out of this bride because they will have the word in their mouth. And God is looking for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Watch. He said, I'm persuaded that many of us, friends, have received the Holy Ghost. I am too. Or you wouldn't be here and sit here that long. But we just receive enough of the Holy Ghost in us to make us to a place where we don't want to lie. We don't want to steal. We don't want to do anything wrong. But God wants to fill every fiber of his church. He wants to fill your thinking and he wants to fill your mind. <laughs> he wants to fill every bit of you. Just make you completely, totally dead to yourself or to your thinking. Just so surrendered in God till His words just living right through you. That's preeminence. That's the mystery of God revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you don't know nothing but God's word. Just stay right with His word. It is life. My words are life, said Jesus. He placed with them teachers believing the word of God, prophets, and say the truth. Say the same prophecy. Watch now. His word. The kingdom of God is God's word made power. Let's stop right there this morning. I pray that God will let us understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. And by doing that, I believe that we can understand a part of our millennial reign. We will not add to it or anything that has not been said, which has not been much said. But we can get a revelation, we can get a sense of the reward set before us. If the rapture of the church, an immortal body, a thousand year reign with Christ, was not the most glorious reward 
and the greatest power and the greatest experience that any human being that God created ever existed in his life, it wouldn't be in the Bible. It wouldn't have sustained men for 2,000 years through every holocaust, through every war, and through everything else. We wouldn't fight for this freedom. We wouldn't fight for the liberty of worship. We wouldn't hold on to Christianity unless there's a power of God's word to keep a people with the faith. But the good news of the gospel is he is here to keep his promise. He's going to change our body and take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb that we can walk out as heirs of the promise of the kingdom. We got a kingdom. Let's stand this morning. We got a kingdom that we're headed to. We're almost there. Then what are you looking for, Brother Greg? I'm looking for the word that we teach to become power in our lives to change our mortal body. How many believes that this morning? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever? Or if you believe that and you're sick in your body, you have a problem, you have a question before God. You bow your head and you hold that before the Lord and let's pray. Let's see if God will absolutely keep his word this morning. Had we just stand here for 45 minutes and taught in vain and wore ourselves out for nothing? If I stood behind this pulpit for 42 years and preached something that can't be proven or can't be real, then we're just wasting our time. Heavenly Father, I confess before this people that you have appeared in this hour and I have met you through the message of the hour, through a vindicated prophet. And we have now a face-to-face confrontation with the presence of Almighty God. We ask that your presence that is here today, because your word has been spoken and your word has been preached from this pulpit. Therefore, you said that our great commission was, if I preach the gospel of the kingdom of God, that these signs would follow the teaching of the word. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That those that are sick in body would be healed. That the lame would walk. The blind would see. The cripples would get out of the wheelchairs. The arthritis would leave. The ears would open. The eyes would open. The heart, heart attacks would leave. The heart would pump. The cancers would leave. Tumors would leave our bodies. Unbelief will leave. All fear will leave. All hatred will leave. We'll be absolutely sanctified and cleansed out by your power of your word. So, Father, we confess that you are here and you are a burning fire. So I ask you this morning to burn everything out of our being and take complete control of every soul, every body, and all of our thoughts in this building this morning to your glory and manifest yourself as the word made power and come alive in our own bodies this morning. Therefore, I thank you for healing the hearts. I thank you for removing the tumors, the diseases, and every affliction here this morning. That we'll hear the testimonies of our recoveries. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the promise. And we thank you for this great hope that sets before us of the changing of our body. Thank you for every soul that you brought here this morning because we know that you're the sovereign God. That you ordained every person to be here today. Just like you ordained everything in words gone by. You ordained a certain king to be in place. You ordained a certain problem to come. You ordained a certain man to come on the scene. A certain word to deliver. And now here are we in the picture. Therefore we pray that you would take complete control of our lives our minds, our hearts, and may your word be in our mouth 
that it would manifest itself in our flesh. Thank you, Lord, for this promise. Thank you for the reward of immortality that is set before us. And we praise you and give you glory. And everybody said amen and amen. As the Jews would say, next year, Jerusalem. Amen. Next year, Jerusalem. You say, well, it can't be next year. No, it can't be next year for us. But how many knows that Israel, after their Kabbalah or whatever the holy days, that they just got through serving? The saying of the Jews is what? When Elijah doesn't come at their table, which they set a table, they set a plate for Elijah to come. When the meal is finished, they say, next year, Jerusalem. Every Jew around the world, next year, Jerusalem. They're looking for their Messiah to come to Jerusalem. And he will come, but not like they think. He is not coming to make them a kingdom. There's no promise by your theologians. I know what they teach. There's no promise in the Bible that Israel will be made the fifth kingdom. There's four kingdoms. Then there's a stone that cut out of the mountain, come and ground all the other kingdoms underfoot. And that last kingdom is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will rule and reign with him. Israel will not be made the kingdom as they suppose. But Jesus will rule in Jerusalem in a temple with the Gentile bride, 144,000 eunuchs as their servants. I don't know whether the elders and Old Testament saints will be there or not, whatever their role, but it will be wonderful. And we will start mile by mile renovating and restoring the nations, the kings, the cities, and everything that we blow up. We're going to blow it up, and then we're going to renovate it and work out we got a thousand years then to renovate the earth. And all of a sudden, here the devil comes again. And then God destroys it all, burns it, creates new heavens and new earth. But we'll walk out in that heavenly city, a future home. And we'll get to that as we go on this journey because our future home, being a seed of Abraham. How many knows you're a seed of Abraham this morning? You are in this building, listening to this message, believing the prophet and the word of this hour. Because, one thing, you are the seed of Abraham. And we are that promised seed. Therefore, we have an ear to hear. We have a promise. And now you and I, whether you're understanding it or not, you are absolutely controlled in your life by the faith of Abraham that he had almost 4,000 years ago. Because Abraham's faith was we will rule and reign in a city whose builder and maker is God. We're headed to New Jerusalem as fast as we can go. Amen. And we will be there as the heirs of the promise. Praise be to God. And you're talking about an eternal land of milk and honey. It will be worth it all. Amen. Well, it will be worth it all. Boom. Oh, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful, happy day. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be 
every trial. It's going to be worth it all, some beautiful, happy day. They may believe that this morning. Oh, come on, act like it. Wake your face up and put a smile on this morning. Be joy in the Holy Ghost. Give it praise to God. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for healing the promise. Thank you for answering your prayers. It's going to be worth it all some beautiful, happy day. Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming this morning. Thank you to the visitors for coming. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope we didn't keep you too long. Yes, we did. 30 minutes over. That's not too long. Because I believe that we're already into eternity. How long was it? It seemed like it's been two seconds since we started this sermon. To me, it hadn't been five minutes. And it's been an hour. You step over into eternity. See, when you get in the spirit and you let the anointing and the joy of hearing the word come up into your heart and the anticipation of hearing places you into eternity where time stands still. And that's where we're going. We're going to step out of this reality where time absolutely stands still in another dimension. We won't be in a hurry at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because it'd just be a little meal of eat, breaking the bread and drinking the wine. And that'll take three and a half years to do that. That's a lot of amens and hallelujahs. And hey, brother, hey, Joe, hey, you made it, glory to God. Hey, hey I got a seat closer to him than you did, praise God. I'm at the head of the table. Yeah, you're down there at the end, and I'm up here at the head. It won't be none of that. <laughs> it won't be none of that. I think we'll be having glorified tears. That if we could capture it in a body and then come back, we could sprinkle you and you'd be healed. Because it's such joy of making it, of being a part of it. The promise so real that here it is. And Jesus at the head of the table, and for miles and miles it rode every heir and every promise making up the bride. Thousands and thousands and thousands. Two thousand years of believers. My, wasn't it wonderful? I want to talk to Finney, see who I want to talk to. My Lord, he had a razor tongue that would cut you. Lord Jesus, I say, Finney, I don't know how you made it. <laughs> if I'd preached that way in this age, I, they'd have hung me up a tree. And I can just hear that lawyer voice now. I said, I said, repent. Praise God, none of this false repentance. I mean, make Jesus Christ Lord. Or get out of the church. Hallelujah. Get away from us. He preached the Word of God. I want to like to talk to Moody, too. Now, don't get me started on this. I like to talk to Moody. They say he could walk in the hospital and people jump out of the bed and go home. Now, that's a lot of anointing on him. When you can walk into the hospital and say, how are you doing this morning? People in the second wing jump out of the bed and go home. You say, well, he was a Baptist preacher. He was an orator anointed by God, full of the Holy Ghost. He could preach like no other man ever put words in his mouth. And he could put so words so beautiful and so eloquent that people's hearts would just break and whatever more and people would be healed and everything. Yeah. But the one we're accustomed to would be that little old Kentucky hillbilly boys. Good morning, friends. 
Hallelujah. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to be persecuted. Hard times is here. It's upon us. It's in the land. It's sitting beside of you when you work. It's in your school. It's all around you. It's gone. The hatred and the serpent seed has taken over. Darkness. The land is full of darkness. There's no light outside the bride. But there's nothing that you can tolerate, nothing that you can do, and nothing that you can sacrifice is worth missing this great prize of everlasting life in the millennium of God. Amen? So whatever you do, hold to the face. Put it in your mouth no matter what it costs you. Put that confession in your mouth and hold true to the word of God. And God will hold true to you and he will keep his word to you and in your life. Amen. So God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning. We'll see you next Sunday morning. If the Lord.